0: And somebody from the class had to take over. They had to be the the preacher that morning. Oh, man. Most of us didn't want to do it. (laughs) Okay. The first verse, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. The psalmist here is letting us know that we are blessed, favored by God, Are made happy by God. When we do not fellowship. With people who are ungodly. So. Blessed is the man that walketh not. In the counsel of the ungodly. When you don't do that you are blessed. Ungodly here means. Denying or disobeying God. Ungodly people go against the will of God. They are guilty of sin against God. But does not ask for forgiveness. So you can just be ungodly. You know it is sin because the Bible says to know to, to do good and do it not is sin. And if you go against that and you know you're carrying around sin and you don't repent, and you make no effort to do the right thing, you are ungodly. That's what the Bible is talking about. You don't ask for forgiveness. You keep walking around with this sin. You are ungodly ungodly people do not value God's word. They do not take his word seriously. If they took it seriously, then they would know that the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. So they would want to make it right with God as soon as possible. If we have counsel with ungodly people, we will never become closer to God. That's just like night and day you're against god and yet still if i go and counsel with you keep friend with you and you know then i'm not trying to get closer to god because there's no way i can get closer to god instead we will gradually drift further from him if you notice when one is trying to become a good basketball player or football player they They go to practice. They hang out with people who do the same thing in order to get better. So if you do the opposite by going to someone who is ungodly, instead of coming to the church, gathering where the saints are gathered, and hearing the word of God to help you, then you cannot be closer to God. You're going to be pushed further. Ungodly people offer ungodly advice. It pushes us further from God. I want to just go back to a thing that Pastor explained recently. He said, we do not fellowship with unbelievers. <clears throat> it does not mean that we avoid them each time we see them. We're not really supposed to do that. It does not mean that each time we see them, we pull out our Bible and we act like you know we're going to preach to them. It means that we must let our light shine, so we can eventually lead them to Christ. Um, it, we can never be in a situation where they are in control and we are. Um, their qualities are rubbing off on us. We have to be the one in control, and we have to um, be the one influencing the conversation, they can never influence us because if that happens then we are sooner or later we are going to pick up whatever they have. We are going to be ungodly. Amen? <laughs> we, tr- we truly fellowship with believers who have the same passion and love for God as we do. Fellowship is a friendly association, especially with people who share the same interest. So we cannot fellowship with someone. That's what Pastor was explaining to us. We cannot fellowship with someone unless we share that same um, interest or passion. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says in the NIV, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? It it just cannot work. So we cannot, I mean, when we go, it's not that you cannot associate yourself with them. Because you have family members. You have, you know, people who you have to be in touch with. But you're going to be influenced. And it's more a thing where you're trying to evangelize to them. Even if you don't take out a Bible, your light is going to shine. You you cannot do the things that you used to do, you know, even if you're in a situation where they are trying to prod you to, come on, let's do this. You can't do it. You have to let your light shine. Amen? Have you ever heard a Christian say, my best best friend is an atheist? <laughs> I hear people make statements like that. Not, not that specifically, but they, they say things like that from time to time. Uh, you know, my best friend, they, they, don't want, they don't have anything to do with church. The Bible just tells you that um, what fellowship can light have with darkness? You know, if this person is your best friend, then they're going to be in a position... Um, to influence you because they're close to you so how can that person be you know um, the opposite go in the opposite direction of you Jesus ate with sinners and evangelized to them but he was always around his disciples amen the people you hang out with are the closest to you they are the ones you, you share the same goal with. They are the ones who can influence you. If you fellowship with influential friends who are ungodly, they will slowly become, then you will slowly become ungodly. I found this scripture. Second uh, Samuel 23, 6. It says in the... ISV version, it says, But ungodly men are like thorns that are discarded because they cannot be safely handled. But ungodly men are like thorns that are discarded because they cannot be safely handled. And First Peter 4.18 it says, And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinners appear? The Bible tells us not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. The counsel of men will come to nothing. It is the counsel of the Lord that is final. That's what we have to be concerned about. Proverbs 19.21, it says, Many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Amen? Amen. Another one I just want to leave with you, Psalm 119, verse 105. It says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. As Christians, our counsel should come from the word of God. Godly men. You know, we shouldn't just be hanging around, taking counsel from anyone. It, our counsel should come from the Word of God. And remember, the Word of God and God cannot be separated. When you read the Word of God, when the pastor preaches from the Word of God, that is actually you're hearing God speaking to you. Christ paid the price for us. He owns us. Therefore, He is able to tell us who to fellowship with And who not to fellowship with. If you remember, when you're growing up, your parents told you, some of those things your parents told you, who to fellowship with. I remember I used to play a lot of football. And I played football for my area. My mother said to me, I know you play football with such and such a guy. But the day I see you, Hanging out with them is the last day you play football here. So, if your parents can tell you that, uh, because they are looking out for you, how much more when God tells you not to walk in the ways of sinners, walk with the ungodly? We should take it very seriously. Amen? Amen? The second part of that says, Nor stand it in the way of sinners. What does it mean to stand in the way of sinners? Standing in the way of sinners means that we have gotten a hold of sin. We believe in it and we have become connected to it. Notice what happened. We started walking first. Then we are standing now. So, There is something that attracts us at some point of the way. It attracts us. We stand. Sin is no longer something that happens occasionally for us. It has become an act that we embrace and we believe in it. So we stand with these people. It is something that we do on a regular basis. Whatever we stand for, whenever we stand for something, we is something that we believe in. It, we 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 are proud of it. Let me just um, bring back your memory to you. Remember when um, they had what they call this now, the Women's March? Um, that was January twenty first, twenty seventeen. This was right after the inauguration of the of the president. The the now president. Um, It says here, tension rose due to his statement. The the president made a statement, and the women, mainly the women, they were offended by it. And they stood together. And... um, It says that it was the largest single-day pro- protest in the U.S. history. So they believed in coming against him because they felt that what he said was wrong. So they stood together. So when you stand with anyone on an issue, you actually believe in it. You, you are showing sure now that you believe in it to the point where um, whatever... Needs to be done to show that to protest that is what you're doing. So when we stand, hold on, when, when we stand in the way of sinners, we are agreeing with them, we are, we are in solidarity with them because we are standing with them. We stand in the ways of, of sinners when we speak evil about the word of God and fellow believers. You know things like that. We, um, I've seen individuals in in the church who have been living for God a long time, and something changed. They start to hang out with friends who have no interest in God and openly criticize. And before you know it, they start doing the same thing. And they come into the church and they start doing the same thing. And no matter who you are, eyes are on you. You don't know who is watching you, but you are influencing someone. And if that happens, you might just look around and don't see one person. You, you know, you don't know why they're not coming, but it could be that they looked up to you and they hear and see what you're doing now. And they are weak in the faith. So, the thing what they do is not come back. And they have somebody now to blame. You are the one. You led them astray. Amen? We as Christians must be constantly in the word of God and in prayer to keep our mind on on Christ. We cannot allow our guards to be Lord. When we stand with the people who do not share the same passion or belief as we do, enemy. We are giving way for the enemy to come right in. Amen? Matthew twenty-three thirteen, It says, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. So, you shut it up for yourself based on... These are the Pharisees. The Pharisees, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees Jesus was addressing here. He called the righteous leaders of his time hypocrites. And he explained how they tell others to live godly, but they were not living according to the standard they set. We're standing in the way of sinners when we... We, we do that when our lives doesn't reflect what we say we believe in. Amen? Come to the next point. Not sitting in the seat of the scornful. The first thing not to do is walk in the council. So we, if you walk in the council, then you shouldn't stand in the way of the sinner either or sit in the seat of the scornful. This is progression, um, progressing to, to the worst, I should say. It's, it, it's um, moving from one bad situation until it gets progressively worse. After we stand in the way of sinners, we become comfortable and begin, begin to sit in the seat of the scornful. When we sit in the seat of the scornful, we have much to contribute here now. It's not just um, uh, we are with the ungodly or we, we stand with these people because we believe something. We have, we, we have taken in all of this and know we have something ourselves to offer. We we, we have progressed to the point now where we can contribute to this negative um, thought and negative action. The scornful person not only doesn't believe in Christ, but hates and mocks him and his truth. Luke 18.32 says, For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated, and spitted on, so it gets progressively worse when we reach the point where we are scornful, you scoff at everything about the church about the Word of God, and you you are going against God and it, it, if you're going against God, you're anti- God so. You hate God, and and these are the people that actually um, crucified Jesus because their dislike grew to the point where they had they took action. It wasn't just looking at him and hey. It it uh it built up to that point. Proverbs twenty one twenty four says in the King James. It says a proud and haughty man, scoffer is the name, he acts with arrogant pride. Haughty here means blatant and disdainful disdainfully proud. Having or showing an attitude of superiority and contempt for people are things perceived to be inferior. So when you start scoff at anything, this is is the position you take. This is how you feel in yourself. You are blatant and disdainfully proud having or showing an attitude of superiority and contempt for people or things perceived to be inferior. So once you look at somebody and you feel like they're not up to your level, you scoff at them. They can't talk to you. And you hate them. That's basically what this is saying. So that's the reason why we, um, the Bible tells us not to sit in the seat of the scornful. Amen? Amen? Proverbs three, five says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. We sit in the seat of the scornful whenever we look down on others whom we think are not living the Christian life as good as, as us. You know You want to look at some people sometime that come to church once a while, and you think, "Oh." If I come every day and they come once a while, then I'm a bit better Christian than them and all that sort of thing. Whenever we start leaning on our own understanding, we start trusting ourselves, our knowledge, and our righteousness. Trusting in our own ability. Next, we start to identify other people's fault and forget that we have faults as well. and need God's forgiveness and mercy just like The person who you are scoffing at if we are not constantly in submission to God we will be puffed up by our knowledge and it is easy for us to think we are more important to God than others I think some people believe that the position uh, you know that they hold are the way they probably they pray you know um, they perceive it as praying better than others or are, are their knowledge of the word they probably believe that God prefers them more than others <laughs> Yeah, but the Bible tells you that clearly even some examples that I love to use this example Nineveh, the city of Nineveh you, you, you hear me talk about that all the while it, it was just a, like an eye opener Those were wicked people and God loved them just like those who were serving him. He gave them another chance. He could have just wiped them out because they were wicked, but he sent his prophet there. And when his prophet disobeyed him, he punished the prophet and sent the prophet again. He wanted them to get another chance because he loved them. He had pronounced judgment on the Canaanites. But um, he saved one, Rahab, because she repented. Okay, 2, Psalm chapter 1, verse 2, it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Whenever we develop a true relationship with God, our desire changes to wanting to please him. Once we have that true relationship, it's not just coming to church anymore and you know, putting in an appearance. We have a genuine desire to please him. This leads us to meditate on his word as often as we can. Delighted means we get excited about the word of God. We get excited about all the promises of God. Because the word of God, it entails promises, um, blessings for us. It, it, it We are going to be just like him. Um, a whole lot of things are in his word. And, and uh, that's the promise he made to us once we delight in his word. So, Once we get a hold of him, we will delight in his word and delight in the promises of God. At that point, no one has to force us to obey the word. Nobody has to tell us, hey, go and read the word of God. You delight in him in such a way that you take the own initiative and you are reading, you are studying, and you take great pleasure in doing so. You don't just do it puffed up. Or every minute you sigh (laughs) because you're tired now, you delight in it. So you do it on your own and you you like doing it. Psalm 37 verse 4 tells us to delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desire of thy heart. Amen. Amen. Some of us are delighted by a particular sport. We go out of our way to learn it. And every opportunity we watch it, we we do things to you know know what is going on because we we just love that sport. It gives us a great deal of satisfaction. That's how, or even more, we should delight ourselves in the word of God. Amen. 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 And in the law doth He meditate day and night. Meditate means to focus one's thought on, reflect on, or ponder over. So it's not just reading the word. We're going, we going to think about it. We're going to run it through our minds and see what it means. Every part of it we want to find out what it means. And every opportunity we get, we're going to go over it. The man who is blessed finds joy and peace in the word of God. And so he doesn't just read it. He focuses his thought on it over and over. He chews on the word and ponders over it. Have you ever gotten um, something to eat? And it tastes so good. You you just don't want to get rid of it right away. You just make it go over in your mouth (laughs) That, that, you know, you just want the taste to remain in your mouth. That is how you, you know, ponder the word of God. You go over the word of God. You, you, you just want to have it because it, it feels good. It delights you. Amen. Amen. The last uh, verse says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That bringeth forth his fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Trees are huge. They have roots that anchor them. And makes them hard to fall. Even during storms. So if the Bible is saying. He shall be like a tree planted by the river. It means that you are going to be planted in such a way you're going to be rooted nothing is going to be able to move you we will have storms in our lives but you know this root system that you have built on the word of God it is going to prevent you from being blown away so your, your, your foundation Is in the word of God. So whatever storm comes, it might, you know, it's going to affect you, but it's not going to root you up. It's not going to move you from where you were planted. You're going to be able to stand still and you're going to be able to ride out that storm. Have you ever seen those coconut trees that are near the beach, near where um, heavy winds are? They'll bend, but they're not going to break. They're going to come right back up when the, when the wind stops blowing hard. They're firmly rooted. They are right there taking the heaviest wind, but they're not going to break. We will have storms in our lives, but the righteous man's foundation is built on the word of God. So he is firmly anchored. The wind will blow and the rain will come, but he will not be moved. Trees need water to grow and bear fruit. If this tree is planted by the river, it will constantly bear fruit and constantly grow. It is by the the river, so there is a constant supply of water. So this keeps it healthy. When we are connected to Jesus Christ, we will be like that tree, We will bear fruit. Galatians 5.22 talks about the fruit. Um, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. We will have these when we are connected to God. When we delight in his word. These are the fruits that we will have. His leaves also shall not wither. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 tells us, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting, we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So, once we are planted, as the Bible says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Once we are planted that way, inwardly, we are being renewed every day. We are connected to the Spirit of God. We are connected to him and his word sustains us day by day. Amen? Is there any question? No question. All right. Let me just, um, in closing, let me just say this. God's promise to bless us, God promises to bless us if we avoid walking with those who who are ungodly, who deny him, who sin repeatedly and have no, no, no remorse and have no intention to ask for forgiveness, who, who deliberately sin, so we are not to walk with them. Ungodly people, they don't value um, the word of God. The word of God cannot be separated from God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. cannot be separated. So, we don't want to walk with ungodly people. What they say back home? They'll rub off on you. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. God promises to bless us if we avoid standing in the way of sinners. It gets progressively worse. We walk with the ungodly, then we stand with sinners, and by standing with sinners, we 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 are showing solidarity. We we agree with what they are doing, and and that means we get a little more of it, and 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 um, it's. Exciting us to the point now where we are, we are standing with them. We we slow down. We are walking first. Now we stand, and later on we're going to sit, getting more comfortable. He knows that once we walk in this, in their path, we would eventually stand with them and finally sit with them. I was listening to a preacher, and he was um, talking about. Peter. What Peter did when they took Jesus to crucify him. Peter walked. Peter followed them wherever they went. Then at one point, he came to a point where he stood and he watched what they were doing with Jesus. Then he sat down. And that's when he denied Jesus. (laughs) He denied him three times before the cock crow. So, He walked, and then he stood and watched them. When he sat, that's when he did deny him. Sitting with them means that we have much to contribute. So we find a seat because we are part of them now. It's not casual anymore. It's not passing through. We are part of the group, and we are contributing the scornful person does not believe in Christ and also hate and mocks him.